Warning, the following program contains subject matter not suitable for a younger audience. It contains offensive language and opinions. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! Greetings, ghouls. It's time to discuss, disgust, and dissect. Horror. No normal mind can imagine. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. Why? Fucking dead bastard. And now, introducing our hosts, the gruesome twosome, Mike and Jeremy. We are Fetish of the Dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. All right, we are fans of the dead. I'm Mike. I'm Jeremy. How you doing, bro? Doing good. We had a uh, my daughter's bridal shower today. What? Yes. You're old. Sarah's getting married in about two weeks. That is, that's just crazy. It's it is it's really crazy. So. Needless to say, I just kind of took off for a few hours while they did their thing. Obviously. Come back just to move presents. Move presents, put the furniture back, you know. Fun, fun stuff. Yeah. Excited. For what? Just getting married. It's going to be a good day. Oh, yeah. So when is that? June 11th. It's a Friday. A Friday wedding? Oh, come on. Hey, you know what? Gets me out of work, so it's all good. Well, there you go. So, what are we talking about this week? Or this episode? We're going to talk about the skeleton key. The skeleton key. It opens all the doors. All of them. Except the attic. It's never opened that one. Nope. Yeah, this was a fun one. I hadn't seen this probably since it came out. I feel like this was one of those movies that we like sent out for when Netflix was only doing like mail like discs and stuff. Right. Yeah. But once I got back into it, I realized that I genuinely like this movie. Like I I didn't have high expectations for it because like you're like, oh, Kate Hudson's in a horror movie. But it was really, really good. This one, uh, actually, Jenna had mentioned and. You know, she's a Kate Hudson fan, so the same. I wasn't looking, you know, to be blown away, but I was blown away. It's a really good movie. Actually, I was talking to my friend Ben earlier today, and he's like, so you guys mostly just talk about B-movies? And I was like, hmm, yes, kind of, mostly, yeah. So this would be more of an A movie? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I feel like our like when we first put this idea together, or when you first put this idea together, like that was going to be the thing. We were just going to like review like pretty shitty movies, everything, R- right? Stuff that entertains us, right? But I mean, we've done some pretty high, like couple high profile movies, most definitely, like Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. That was fantastic, and you know it. It's got Hollywood right in the title. That's got to be an A movie, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? All right. So let's, let's jump right into this one. This is a recipe for disaster. Got a couple recipes. Ooh. You got any guesses? Uh, my first guess was that you were going to go with the gumbo. 
for obvious sin. Not only is it served in the movie, but it's the official state cuisine of Louisiana. So we do a little bit of hoodoo gumbo. Obviously, got to start with the Holy Trinity. You familiar with the Holy Trinity? Uh, it depends on which Holy Trinity we're talking about. I'm not talking about the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about white onion, bell pepper, and celery. Oh. Which starts many, many Creole dishes. And then you just add a bunch of stuff, like mix it in a pot, and you stretch it out so you can feed how many ever people you have to feed. Uh, look up an authentic New Orleans gumbo and have fun from there. Just just do it up. That's what we did. Added a little bit of chupacabra sauce. That's pretty much how far I strayed with the gumbo because I like to keep it pretty pretty authentic there. So nice. for our beverage, I got some King King Street. It's not King Street. King Saint Vodka. <laughs> King Saint Vodka, and I mixed it with some sweet tea. Ah, the so tea. This will be Kate Hudson's sweet tea. Aw. Yeah. And oh, it's uh, it's not bad. I'm not really a, a tea fan, and sweet tea, I mean, it is what it says. There's a lot of sugar in it, so it's a little bit too sweet for me, but, I mean, that kind of cuts down on the vodka, which is, the, the vodka is good, but here we go. Down the hatch. Looks like a Snapple. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) This is... is No one has to know it looks like a Snapple. (laughs) I could be drinking water. (laughs) No one will know. Prick. Yes. All right. So I still... my. uh, my album is still called Piranha. Your album? Yeah, so for pictures that I want to reference really quickly. Yeah. Okay. Kate Hudson stars in The Skeleton Key, a supernatural thriller that weaves a tale of terror and suspense. When Caroline Ellis, Hudson, takes a job in Louisiana's bayous, she unlocks a deadly secret involving magic conjure and sacrifice that pulls her into a terrifying world of strange, frightening, and unexplained incidents. The key to escaping may lie in a decrepit attic, but if she dares to believe in what she discovers, everything she fears will become real. Filled with endless suspense and bone-chilling scares, hold on for this terrific ride with one of the best twists since The Sixth Sense. Now, researching this this movie, I saw a lot of people referencing The Sixth Sense. And I get it. There's a twist ending. Like, it's a twist. You know, but <laughs> um, I like this movie a lot better than The Sixth Sense. Yeah. I, see, I'm not a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan. Like he he did he did a couple like really good movies. I, I loved Signs. I mean I did like Sixth Sense, but I don't know if I could really compare the twist ending in this to the twist ending in that. No, I, I mean a lot of movies have twist endings. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's just like Secret Window, you know? Like I get it. 
there's a twist. You got to say something. You got to have buzzwords and and whatnot. But the Sixth Sense, I only watched a couple times. So you you watch it the first time, you're like, oh oh wow, that's that's pretty cool. And then you watch it again to see all the stuff that you missed. And, and that's I it. Think, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, I literally, I think I've only seen it twice. Yeah, but I mean, this is a DVD that I own, and I've seen it countless times. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a fun movie that you could watch over and over again and has some really good music in it. Yeah, really good soundtrack. I mean, a lot of these uh, groups or yeah, pretty much performers I have on like my regular Spotify playlist. Yeah. And I mean, you get Kate Hudson's a little easier on the eyes than Bruce Willis. No offense, Bruce. I don't think he takes offense. I don't think so. Are you ready? Well, let's get into it. Spoilers ahead. Okay, we have oh, the skeleton. Oh, oh, oh. oh man, oh. one thing I wanted what to add. The fuck. Oh, sorry, I had a good joke I wanted to add when I mentioned that the official state cuisine of Louisiana is gumbo. We don't have an official state cuisine in Massachusetts, but do you know what the official dessert of Massachusetts is? I'm gonna guess it's not the Boston cream pie. It is. Is it? <laughs> oh, red. See, I figured if we had like an official cuisine, it would be it, it'd be chowder. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. What are you gonna do? Eat a cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That was a that was a long way for a disgusting joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay. So, The Skeleton Key, 2005, directed by Ian Softley, starring Kate Hudson, Peter Sarsgaard, Joy Bryant, John Hurt. Yes. So, it opens up. Caroline Ellis, played by Kate Hudson, is reading Treasure Island to uh, a hospice patient, uh, Mr. Talcott. Now, do you know the significance of her reading Treasure Island? I had looked it up. It's in my other notes. I don't remember off the top of my head. Your other notes, like the notes that you're not going off? Well, so I have my walkthrough notes, and then I have my my side notes. Oh, my goodness. Jesus. You're all over the place. So anyway, so they say that it's because the kid in Treasure Island looks after the pirate after he has a stroke, much like Kate Hudson's character. Sure, sure, on the surface, that's fine. But what are the themes behind Treasure Island? Fortune and greed. They're looking for a treasure, the ultimate treasure. And isn't that exactly what some of the characters in this movie are looking for? I mean, what is the only true currency? Time. What's more valuable than time? Talk about, hey, want to spend some time together? That's all I got. Fortune and greed. So, yeah, it's a pretty, like, shitty, rainy day. It kind of keeps going back to this tree, like they keep showing. And Mr. Talcott passes away. And apparently the family didn't want anything to do with him. So, like, she gets, Caroline gets kind of upset by this and, Basically, it looks like they just take their boxes of belongings and throw them in a dumpster. 
Yeah. Or something, something like that. And so she goes to throw his stuff away in the dumpster and there's just like, like I said, all these boxes that belong to other people that just like died alone. Yeah. Hospice work is, is pretty rough. Yeah. But she does end up taking, uh, I don't know if it was a keychain or a pin or something like that of his, but anyway, so she's going through the want ads cause she's looking for a different job. She doesn't like the fact that she feels they don't give a shit. It's, it's just another person. They just got to push him aside. So she finds a job that she kind of applies for. She's telling her friend Jill at the bar, but the job is in the bayou, the swamps. You know, there's there's gators in the swamps, and there's men with no teeth. Gators with a lot of teeth, men with none. Yes. So she gets in her little red bug, drives right to the bayou. So she ended up taking the... There's a keychain from... Uh, Mr. Talcott, the patient, says, live fast, die hard. Hell yeah. Speaking of Bruce Willis, yeah. So we get to this private residence. It says, no admittance, keep out. It it almost, to me, it almost looked like that long like street or driveway from like Forrest Gump. Kept running. Yeah, so a lot of people were wondering if this was the same house, but no, they built that house for Forrest Gump. This is this is an actual house, not in the bayou. A lot of CGI went into making all the trees and the swamps and the beautiful what is it, hanging Spanish moss. Yeah, I believe it was it was called the Felicity Plantation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great atmosphere. Oh yes, no, absolutely. I had no idea that was CGI until I I read that. Yeah. So she gets there, says no admittance, keep out. Almost it's overrun with trees. It looks like it was like it's a, almost like abandoned or desolate or whatever. She knocks on the front door and like the chair on the front porch is rocking by itself. She just walks in the house. Hello. Food. Hello. Oh, jeez. We're going there again. Yeah, so uh, so food is cooking, like the table is all set up. She goes outside and sees who would be Ben Devereaux, uh, who's played by John Hurt and Violet, and looks like she's cutting his, like cutting his hair, like or something like that, like yeah, in the she's garden, grooming him, grooming him. Um, and then we also meet Luke Marshall, the estate lawyer, played by Peter Sarsgaard, Violet. She's not really happy about a stranger taking care of her husband. Ben doesn't talk. He apparently had a stroke in the attic and it paralyzed him. So, like, he doesn't talk. He just kind of, like, moves his eyes, like, a little bit. Yeah, he does a lot of acting with just his eyes in this movie. Like, very great job by John Hurt. Yeah, no, I mean, that just shows how how really, really good he is at portraying, you know, whatever his emotions are. But basically just his eyes. So Violet keeps saying to him, you know, she won't understand the house. She won't understand the house. She's not a Southerner. So she kind of, Caroline gets the message and she's like, you know what? I get it. Fine. Fuck it. I'm out. And she asks Luke what she meant by, you know, I won't understand the house. And he just says, all I know is that the check's clear. (laughs) Yeah. Like get a love. Uh, dude's accent in this um a lot of really bad. subtle notes no no i'm I'm not i'm not talking trash at all i'm 
I'm saying there's a lot of like subtleties that, you know, on a rewatch, you're like, oh, shit. Like, he's definitely he's a lawyer, yeah. but he's a southern gentleman. And the things that Violet says, like, you know, she's mad that Kate Hudson's not a southerner. She doesn't have an accent or the accent's not right. Like a, a lot of little things that you're like, hmm. So she ends up deciding to take the job and her friend helps her pack and, you know, she's back on her way and she stops at this like podunk gas station. Is this the penis bone gas station? Yes. The penis bone gas, <laughs> gas station. That's not on the sign. It's not, but it might as well be. Um, so she goes up to the door and there's a red line in front of the doorway. Brick dust. Brick dust. Brick to brick to brick to brick to brick. Now there's a big, I see, I put in my notes at the time because I didn't remember what was actually like the thing. I wrote a big voodoo sign here. of them Voodoo. I, well, I didn't know it was hoodoo at that time. Who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. <laughs> uh, yeah, a big, big hoodoo sign here of the, like them trying to keep spirits out. Um, if there's anything we know about gas stations, though, like if like a weird like person comes out heeding warnings and all that such, we, you know, we should probably listen to them. Although there were no real warnings here, so I think she's okay. Yeah, always listen to those wackadoos. So there's some like blues music playing, although there's like rotting food. She goes in like to their, like the back of the, the, the gas station. There's like mute, like music, rotting food, flies are, like everywhere. And while she's looking for the attendant, there's just like jars and jars of like stuff. There's gator heads. And then like this blind lady like comes out holding a baby. <laughs> like, oh, well, at least it's not in a jar. <laughs> it's true. And then the owner shows up like behind her and he's like shucking something. I don't know what the hell he was eating. He had some shit or whatever. Some shit. Talks to her in French. And then she just pays for the gas and just here, just keep the change. I'm out of here. And she gets back to the house. Now, while she's unpacking, uh, she takes a mirror off the wall in the bathroom. Like she, or the mirror was off. The, there, there was a mirror, and she took, and like it was taken off. And yes. notice that all the mirrors are gone in the house. Oh, they're old. Yeah. No one wants to look at their old, ugly asses. Not even themselves. And so we see Ben is laying in the bed, and she like tries to talk to him, and he like grabs her arm as Violet comes in to give him his Coumadin and such. It's his remedies. Yes, it's his remedies. If you kiss him, it makes it taste better. <laughs> Violet takes over, you know, whatever the, whatever tasks that, that Caroline was doing. She goes, I bet you're all marked up, aren't you? Not where you can see. <laughs> I know you young people. Although she does tell her no. Yeah, but she literally says, not where you can see. And I was like, oh, she fucking said it. Did she? I must have missed that one. Yeah, because I had said it, and then she said it, too. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, so Violet was, you know, a little upset that she may or may not be sporting ink. So she tells her a little bit about the history of when they bought the house. It says they bought it in, I think it was 1962. 
she keeps pictures of the past owners as she as Caroline picks up like another like one of the pictures off the mantle and another one falls out and it's of uh, two black servants one is a maid and two white children the back says Papa Justify and Mama Cecile yes Papa Justify played by Ronald McCall and Mama Cecile played by Gerald Prescott who some people may know from The Walking Dead she was in season one she played Jackie oh yeah I forgot about like half the cast that was was in season one. <laughs> I think a lot of people did because uh, they that was a long time ago. That was eleven years ago. Holy shit! Has it been that long? Yeah. Damn. A oh, lot of killing since then. And then there's another picture of just the kids. Violet hands her a skeleton key that opens every door in the house, but she also has one for herself, and. Caroline asks about the mirrors and tells her that she can have a small one for herself. Like if she likes, she just put them away and you've been around long enough. You don't want to look at this or whatever. She says something like to that effect. Right. And so Violet asks about her parents and like Caroline says, like her mom left and that her dad raised her, but he had ended up passing away. So she's giving Ben a bath and then puts him in this like cool like elevator thing for his wheelchair. Yeah. A little lift, that's pretty cool. Yeah, wheels him wheels him into the garden. Now Violet is looking for some flower seeds. She's looking to plant some. And she's missing whichever ones that she wants. So she sends Caroline to the attic to get them. You know, they're just like over here, you know, like in a basket, like right near the door. She goes upstairs, she finds the seeds, and, like, hears noises. Yes. So it looks, turns out there's, like, a door behind, like, a set of shelves that's opening and closing. Or, like, trying to, like, somebody's trying to open it. And needless to say, you gotta go try and open it, right? Obviously, hidden doors need to be opened. Yes. Like, whatever is behind there obviously wants to get out, so you gotta help it out. Yeah. So she tries to go and open it. I believe the key didn't work. And then like another door like slams shut. Now Caroline asks Violet about the door and she just kind of plays dumb. She's like, what door are you talking about? Like, it's like, oh, that, that, that doesn't open. That, does, that doesn't work. Right. That, that's never been open since we moved in. Yeah. And now she asks about Ben's stroke because it supposedly happened in the attic. And again, she just kind of kind of shrugs it off. And now like she's getting ready for a shower and this is where we see where she actually does have her ink a little cat paw or something yeah something like that so that night very stormy caroline's awoken by a noise upstairs she goes into ben's room and he's just gone like he's he's not in the room he's not in the bed she searches the rooms and then there's like water outside one of the rooms and he's trying to escape onto the roof yeah now you'd think a person that is paralyzed would not be making an escape in the middle of the night yeah in the pouring rain he's just he has this look on his face of like total like fear and he just rolls right off the roof into the bushes now john hurt actually wanted to do this stunt and they told him frig off no (laughs) frig off yeah no they they didn't want him getting hurt no you can't hurt john hurt (laughs) I mean, he, he's had aliens come out of his stomach twice. Twice. He's fine. 
You'll be fine. Let him fall into yeah. some leaves. Right. <laughs> uh, so she calls for Violet, and all of a sudden, this is where we realize, ah, maybe he's not like as bedridden as to believe. But she goes back to get a wheelchair. There's like a plant knocked over and like broken. And now all of a sudden, like Violet wants to double the meds. Yep, got to up his remedies. Double his remedies. The next day, she sees that there's like a boat that he may have been trying to get to, like a little river or whatever. Now that you mentioned, there was a bunch of CGI in that in the movie. Like that whole scene over there, that area, that was like all CGI. Yeah, none of that exists around this house in real life. Is like farmland. Yeah. No swamps. None of that. I thought that was actually pretty incredible. Yeah. Now, Luke, the lawyer, shows up and she's explaining to him what happened. She wants to show him something, but all of a sudden, whatever it was, is gone. Right. It said, help me, written on his sheets in what looked like shit. Yes. Now, I do want to add that um, during his attempt to flee... Uh, Caroline and Ben made eye contact. And in that moment, she saw something. And they say that the eyes are the windows to your soul. Scary. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in my eye? No, make a mental note. People at home, not you. Oh, Jesus, you froze. There you are. You're back. <laughs> you like you like froze for a second. Yeah, so did you. Are we good? Yeah, okay. I don't know. My computer keeps telling me my internet's like unstable. You're unstable. Yeah. All right, so see, now I'm all fucked up. Like, where the hell did I go with all your freezing so, and stuff like I'm that? I'm sorry. Freezing, unfreeze. So Luke is talking to Caroline and he's like, what? Oh, that's this right. motherfucker fell off the roof? That's right. But he says it more Southern, Southern. This motherfucker fell off the, the roof. <laughs> the roof. So she goes into more detail with him about her dad and how he was basically gone before she knew he was even sick and that you know nobody should have to die alone. Now, Caroline tells Luke that she thinks Ben is crying for help as Violet interrupts. Now... Caroline starts to do more snooping in the attic and she's trying to pick the lock, finds there was a piece of, I'm not sure what it actually was that was like in the keyhole. I don't know if it was part of like another like key or something, but like pulls it out. It was blocking the key from working and she opens up the doors. There's jars and doll heads and monkey heads and like all sorts of pictures and ritual pages. There's a gold ring with three snake heads on it. And a box of records, Papa Justifies, Conjure of Sacrifice, August 24th, 1920, New Iberia Parish. Everybody should own that on vinyl. Yes. Violet's calling for her and may realize where she is. She starts to head upstairs. She hears Violet coming, drops a jar of uh, some giant thing. So this giant thing is actually... A tongue. I So I wrote tongue-looking thing, but I didn't want to sound ridiculous and thinking that looked like a tongue. No, so this is actually a real spell. So it's called the beef tongue spell. And what you do is you tie, tie, you thread a cow tongue with black thread 
and you put a spell on someone that you do not wish to speak ill of you. So basically to silence someone. Uh Oh, interesting. Yes. The puzzle pieces are coming together. Yeah, so I don't know if there's any people that can't talk in this film. But if there were, maybe this is something that's keeping them quiet. And some remedies might only be there in place to keep them in place. (laughs) Paralyzed. (laughs) Yeah. So. I don't know why I'm talking so cryptically. Obviously, it's Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she ends up smashing that jar and like she gets out of the room as Violet is coming up the stairs. She drops the record in an attempt to hide. It's like like the one thing like you need to hold on to. You just drop it in the middle of the floor, but she manages to get it back. She's able to to hide from Violet, and then she finds all the mirrors and uncovers them all. All the mirrors. All the mirrors. She heads back downstairs with the record. She's going to head back to the city, plays the record back at her apartment, and Jill walks in on her. Chicka, chicka, chicka. She goes, oh, it's just a local band. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're horrible. <laughs> Yeah, they just kind of say weird things. She goes, let's get some drinks. I'll explain everything. And basically, Jill, her friend, tells her, you found yourself a hoodoo room. Hoodoo. Running from my magic. Hoodoo, not voodoo. Hoodoo is basically a set of spiritual practices, traditions, and beliefs created by African slaves in North America that were held in secret from slaveholders. Hoodoo evolved from various traditional African religions and practices, and in the American South, incorporated various elements of indigenous botanical knowledge. Very good, Jeremy. Now you know what hoodoo is. The one problem I have with this movie takes place while the whole conversation is happening right here. They are in a packed bar having this quiet conversation. And yes, I know movies do that all the time. They turn the music down so you can actually conversate. But what really irked me is the musical talent, the rapper, walks directly behind them. And yes, they're (laughs) women in a bar. They're not paying attention to the musical act. But the fact that it's quiet enough for them to talk while the musical act is directly behind them is ludicrous. Everything else about this movie is top-notch. It's awesome. It's very detailed, like so many details that no one would ever catch unless they're picking it apart, like we did. But this just took me out of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, what are you going to do? So Jill apparently has an aunt that shops in some store that is apparently a laundromat. That's the front. Yes, it is. Uh, so Jill's reluctant to go in. It, it kind of reminded me of American Horror Story, uh, the coven season, where was it the the salon or whatever was kind of like a front for whatever like they were doing there. Right. Now, again, you can actually go to a hoodoo shop. It's not like a super secret, like underground thing. Unless you're you're white. <laughs> Wait, then, don't don't fuck around with that shit. We had no business there. You have no business here. 
That was pretty good. Thank you. So back of the house, Caroline, she goes in to see Ben, and she feels the wall where the mirror hanger is. Violet says goodnight. Next morning, Vi goes in to see Ben. Now there's a mirror on the wall. And she, like, drops the vase of roses. Violet's pissed, but Caroline stands up to her and basically says, tell me what the fuck, or I'm out. Like, I need, you need to tell me what's going on, or, like, I'm I'm out of here. Uh, ghosts. So Violet, uh, yeah, yeah, ghosts. That's it. That's the yeah. ticket. I see ghosts in the mirrors. <laughs> as long as it's not in the machine. I hear there's ghosts in the machine. Just saying. I'm not frozen, just so you know. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> freeze again? <laughs> so Violet tells her, like, people not from the South need to leave shit alone that they don't understand. That's a that's a good bit of advice right there. <laughs> no, no kidding. So goes in, she goes into the history of the house, like the real history. 90 years ago, there was a banker named Thorpe, um, a cruel guy that would, in her words, cheat the poor. Uh, his family with two servants, uh, Papa Justify and Mama Cecile. Uh, Justify was a conjurman, a practicing hoodoo. The locked door was their room and... Basically, Thorpe worked on the worked them to the bone and abused them. Now, during a party one night, towards the end, the kids went missing, but they were up with Justify and Cecile. He was teaching them how to conjure, and all of a sudden, the guests turned into an angry, drunken mob. Not only hung the servants, but burned them as well. Yep. Now, this scene in particular is very disturbing not only for its face yes. value but when you get to the twist holy fuck right so it seems as though as i'm not i'm not sure like if like the children kind of bonded with them or not or yeah so all right so the whole the whole point of this movie which i i don't know if this is at actual or factual if Hoodoo is something that you have to believe in for it to work on you. I think that's some hocus pocus. Um, but you have to imagine that if these people are basically watching them, they're like an extension of their family. They're there all the time, probably cooking them meals, taking care of them. They've probably shown them some magic tricks. You know, they're like, oh, check this out. Check that out. You know, like, you know, you got to work, work the roots. So the kids have probably seen a bunch of shit before. So when this right. act itself, the conjure of sacrifice, takes place, they were probably down for it. Yeah. I mean, they looked like they were interested. Hell yeah. So there was no arrests, no trial. Obviously. There... <laughs> huh? Obviously. Like, this is like the fucking well, dirty south. Shit was fucking twisted right. and fucked up. So... Thorpe's bank went under, he shot his wife, killed himself, and then the kids ended up staying. Now, they were the ones who sold the house to Violet and never told them any reasons, like, for anything. No. Now. No. What? I was under the impression that the children sold the house to... Oh, so the real Violet. Right. Was there... A couple in between the children 
and Violet and Ben. Was there? I th- I thought I thought basically like the kids like stayed there until 1962 and then sold the house to Violet and Ben. So the the children that shit happened about 90 years ago. So they grow up and then sell their house. I, I think it was a, a couple in between. And I'm only going I'm only I'm only going on some dialogue that happens later in the in the film. Okay. So anyway, so Violet says that she sees ghosts in the mirrors. Caroline doesn't really believe it. And saying that's why Ben has basically turned into a vegetable. Now she goes into the Caroline goes into the shed, the tool tool shed or whatever, and there's like a feed trough or something with the um the brick dust or whatever. There's like a ton of it. So giving Ben a bath, she splashes splashes some soap in her eyes and pulls out like the little mirror and you can see Ben like all of a sudden like uh Freak the fuck out. You know, like what are you doing? She notices this, opens it up and opens it up in front of him and like he just goes berserk. Hey, oh, I noticed that you got scared by the mirror, so I'm going to shove it in your face. No shit. Like what a bitch. Like <laughs> but I think she was just trying to figure out if Violet was telling the truth or not. Right. So she takes a trip into town to go shopping. She won't tell Violet why. She heads back to the laundromat, and there's like a back room with like beads. Pretty small room. A lot of trinkets on the shelves. Now the woman working is Mama Cynthia. She asks, Caroline asks how the, like, the red line at the doors works. And it's so that the people that want to harm you can't. Right. They, they can't. It's a boundary. Right. So... She explains what happened like to Ben. She's trying to get answers. And she gives Caroline some items to help heal him. And she also mentioned somebody been working roots on you. Yes. So she goes to Jill, who kind of freaks out like when she tells her that she went to the hoodoo shop. But I mean, it seems like Caroline like genuinely wants to help Ben. He want, she wants to help him get better. Right. Uh, so she goes up to his room. And puts this cross candle in a bowl, uh, some holy water, I think it was, maybe. And explains that, like, this is going to help him get better. She pulls out a piece of paper, a crow's feather. Almost like an exorcism is, like, happening. After she, like, says whatever that, like, she says, like, he starts to move his hands a little bit. And, like, he starts to, like, try to speak. And he's trying to say something, and he's saying Caroline's name. All of a sudden, there's, like, a crash of lightning, like, and Violet does that. It's very dramatic. Yeah. And Ben's like crying for help. He wants out of the house. And Violet's trying to smash her way into the door. Like, and she asks who he's afraid of. And he points to the door. Well, don't be scared of doors, silly. That's nonsense. It's just a door. Violet sends her, like sends her away after she gets into the room and Caroline's having nightmares now, but she's she's sleeping. She has she's having nightmares about this whole hoodoo thing and Mama Justify, uh, Papa Justify, and Mama Cecile, and like like the kids are like saying her name, and her mouth is being sewn shut. There's like a lot going on. Hmm. It looked like someone might have been starting a black thread beef tongue spell. Maybe. 
Maybe. She wakes up and sees in her little mirror a figure leave the room. She shuts the, shuts the mirror and starts to pack her stuff. Ben is on the porch and looks at the picture. And Well, she looks at the picture of her and her dad. Now, she's showing Luke the pictures of the things, like, in the attic, and now he's thinking, like, she's a bit crazy. Turns out, Violet contacted Luke before Ben's stroke to set up, like, a will and testimony and all that. They track down, like, a previous nurse who used to work for the family who says, it's not the ghost that's cursed, it's him. Right. Uh, Not not the verse that cursed... Sorry, not the ghost that cursed him, Violet cursed him, or whatever. This is what she said. Um, Caroline says, but if you don't believe it, it can't hurt you. And the nurse says to get out before she starts believing. Now, Luke does not think she's crazy, which we'll find out later. Mm -hmm. Now, Luke and Caroline go by the gas station that she went to at the beginning. The one with the raccoon penile bones. Yes. Raccoon penis bones hanging from the door. Basically to prove to Luke that people still believe in hoodoo down there. So they head to this shack nearby. There's the like the red brick dust at the door. Now Luke won't go in right away. Mm. Mama raised a gentleman. So Caroline goes in, sees the person inside. Like there's an old woman, and I think it was the same old lady from before. Like in a in a chair. Now like her eyes are all glossed over. So like I'm assuming she's blind. Now Caroline asks her about the conjuring of sacrifice, and the woman stops and says, "No one has seen it." And it's the most powerful, like, conjuring spell, like, of them all. And basically says, like, he died before he got it to work. She's like, oh, she meant she mentioned she had a copy of it on vinyl. And the lady was like, oh, no. Oh, no. If you did, you wouldn't be talking about that. Shit. Basically, those who have it wouldn't say they have it. So they leave. It's like pouring rain out. Now, Lucas spooked and... Caroline knows Violet wants to hurt him and like she feels like she's all all that he's got. Ben is spooked. Right. Now she gets back to the house and Violet's with Ben in the kitchen, like I don't know, she she grooming him again or whatever. Maybe she was giving him a handy. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what she was doing, but you know. Never know. Never know. And she pulls out like a ritual book out of the out of the drawer. Now, she must have like taken it from because I believe I thought Kelly Caroline had the book, but she I don't know if like Violet took it back from her. There's a book. I'm just saying there's a book. Who cares? There's a book. There we go. Say that again. Problem. Problem solved. There's a book. Can you not hear me? Wow, you literally sound like a a glitchy robot right there. There is a book. <laughs> oh man Caroline had uh, sorry like Zoom is being fucking glitchy as shit right now so Caroline heads to the shed gets some of that the clay or brick dust or whatever she calls Violet in and tries to get her to enter the room to take a look at a leak in the window and she's like you know there's a leak it's right up there you should take a look at it and Violet's basically like fuck you it's fine child I don't want to go into your nasty den of sin. I don't know what you do in here with your lower back tattoo, you <laughs> tramp-stamped Yankee. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, she tries everything to get her to go into this room, and Violet just won't do it. She's like, I'm just going to go downstairs and make some tea. Some sweet tea. Some Kate Hudson sweet tea. (laughs) So now, as she's planning, like, this escape with Ben, the song Ico Ico is playing in the background. Yes, it is. By the Dixie Cups. Yes and no. The song has been done over many, many times. Well, I'm talking about the one in the movie. Correct. Well, the first, yeah, the first version was actually uh, James Sugarboy Crawford and his cane cutters. Yeah. So the greatest thing about blues, so a lot of it is public domain. So, like, I would say probably one of the biggest thieves of all time of blues music would be Eric Clapton. This music gets recycled. Some songs get used so many times by so many different people, like House of the Rising Sun. No one even knows who originally wrote that. But that's that's the cool thing about the blues. I mean, I know of it from the animals. Yeah, but they didn't write it. Okay. So, Eiko Eiko, it's a song that tells of a parade collision between two tribes of Mardi Gras Indians. In the traditional confrontation, the song under the original title, Giacomo, was written and released in 1953 by James Sugarboy Crawford and his cane cutters, but it failed to make the charts. But it became popular in 1965 by a group called a girl group called the Dixie Cups. Their big hit was Chapel of Love and scored an international hit with Ico Ico. In 1967, as a part of a lawsuit settlement between Crawford and the Dixie Cups, the trio were given part songwriting credit for the song. In 1972, Dr. John had had a minor hit with his version. So this song has been done over and over and over. I feel like I just said that. So while she's planning this escape, she's injecting the sugar cubes with with something. And Was it acid? They said, I'm not 100% sure what it was. (laughs) <laughs> so they sit down for dinner. Gumbo we have on the menu as the power goes out. Hoodoo gumbo. So she fetches a candle. Caroline presses on, trying to get Violet to admit what she's doing to Ben. And then Violet collapses and pulls out a spell and starts to try and draw like a chalk line like around her. Caroline takes the chalk or the, no, the paper and it was a protection spell. Or was it? Yes, correct. So up in her room, she goes under the... Well, I don't... Actually, I can't... Was it Ben's room? Yeah, so the... You're talking about the um, the supreme protection symbol was under Ben's bed. That was, okay, so that was Ben's, Ben's bed. And there was a, the red line at the, at the bedside. I believe... What do they call that? A cosmogram, I think, is the actual term for it? Sure. Okay. So anyway, she she grabs Ben, wheels him out, and into the car. Violet stirs as they're leaving. The gate is chained shut, and Violet's chanting, Keep him in this house! Keep him in this house! She tries to ram the gate, but it doesn't work. Tries again, and the the car just goes out of control, and she ends up smashing the the headlight, or maybe pops a tire, too. I would like to know that brand of chain that's a strong fucking chain yes so violet grabs a rifle off the mantle 
as Caroline brings Ben into the shed, puts basically just like puts a sheet over his head, like he's you know a corpse. <laughs> Shh, hide. Violet starts shooting at Caroline, and we see the rowboat that Ben was looking at prior, and she gets in the boat, just rowing away. Now, it's just me. I don't know if I would trust like the rivers in the bayou. A lot of gators. A lot of gators. But you know. If you're going to, it's like a rock in a hard place. So you got crazy lady shooting at you and you have dark waters. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to flee. True. So down river she goes and she hears music and she sees like some lights. Now she gets back to Luke's house and tells him of Violet's plan. Now Violet calls his cell phone. See, this is where I'm starting to think. I'm like, eh, things are getting a little fishy here. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So Luke's like, I'm going to go record. Like, we need to record this conversation. Now, the song that was playing before, Iko Iko, is playing in his house now. Hmm. Maybe they're listening to the same radio station. Yeah, sure. So. You're listening to W by you. <laughs> Caroline sees like these all these law books on his desk and underneath she finds pictures of her so basically he's been following her the whole time now and then she's like sifting through like a drawer she finds the serpent ring and a skeleton key oh so now we be thinking someone's in cahoots cahoots you say I say cahoots and he comes back, and now he's trying to strangle her, but just enough to put her to sleep. Sleeper hold. Back into his car. She's tied up. She's, like, bounding, gagged, or whatever. They bring her back to the house. It looks like they're planning a ritual, and they need bed. Like, Caroline's like, no, 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 like, you know, take me instead. Like, you know, leave him alone. Just, like, take me. She tells her that, you know, he's in the shed. Luke's holding her at gunpoint, and... You know, she just wants the picture of her dad. And she's kind of, like, already, like, eyeing a pathway of where, like, she's going to escape to. So she lures him to, like, a hallway or a stairway or whatever, and she's got, like, the boundary, like, set up. So he can't go past it, and she goes out the window as Violet finds Ben in the shed. Now the chase is on, and she gets herself untied from, like, broken glass from the window. And she climbs up the lattice and fix basically fixes in quotes uh, all the doorways and the hallways you know so they can basically they can't get to her right now violet catches up and blows some stuff in her face and like as they like are tussling around violet gets thrown down the stairs ouch yes you broke my fucking legs <laughs> they looked like pretty solid stairs yeah that bone was sticking right the fuck out of that leg, man. Yeah, it was. And Caroline gets on the phone as Violet heads up the elevator. Next, she calls Jill, and the phone line gets cut. And Violet's but, banging on the door. But Caroline did get to say, It's real! It's all real! Cut. Yes. She believes. Correct. So the attic is all set up and ready for this ritual so she needs, like, chalk, sulfur, blood, hair. Clearly, whatever was blown into her face is, like, starting to take effect now. 
So rifling through the drawers, like she sets up the the cosmogram, gets all the ingredients, and then we hear like a banging on the door. Here's Violet. I believe you broke my legs. You bitch. Thinking she could cast a protective spell, Violet reveals that she's actually now trapped inside the protective circle. Don't! Violet says she's been waiting for her. Caroline says she doesn't believe. Yeah, yeah, it's a a little late now. You've been using the spells and the protective circles and dust and this and that. You know, just saying I don't believe out loud doesn't cut it. Right. So, yeah, Violet says, no, you do believe. And she starts playing the conjure record and she hides, like Violet hides behind the mirror. Caroline is looking into the mirror and like she like sees the daughter, like the young daughter and starts like yelling, I don't believe. Now, Luke comes into the room holding like some sort of a can, like a candle citing like whatever words. And now the image of the daughter is now changing to Violet, and then it goes from Violet to Mama Celia, Cecilia, and everything is like shaking, images are changing, and Violet's pushing the mirror like towards towards Caroline, and it like smashes into her. All the candles go out, and she lays on the floor, and all the power comes back. Now, we see Caroline come over to Violet, take a cigarette, and says... Thank you, child. With an accent, yes. Hmm. Yes, all of a sudden she has an accent. Luke enters and calls her Cecile, and Caroline calls him Justify. I told you I wanted a black one this time. You know the black ones never stay. Beggars can't be choosers. I think it suits you beautifully. It's better than Violet or Grace even. We'll get used to it. We always do. Yes. So essentially, they basically keep performing the conjure on any newcomers to the house, including the Thorpe children. And I wonder how far back they went. Like the original, when it's Papa Justify and Mama Cecile performing the ritual on the children, was that their original forms? Like maybe they've even gone back further than that. Like who knows? Because they mentioned that it gets harder every time. So how many times have they performed this ritual? We don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. So, yeah, it turns out Caroline believed after all, obviously. And they give Violet some, like, pasty liquid. Makes her go speechless. No, that's not what makes her go speechless. That's what paralyzes her, the Beef tongue spell is what makes her go speak with speechless. That's right. Okay. Then, like all the first responders are are have shown up, and Jill comes up to the house, and of course, this isn't Caroline anymore. She's like, you know, you called me, you called me, you called me. She said, I didn't call you, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh yeah, fiddlesticks, I did call you. Fiddlesticks, and obviously Jill's like, what the fuck. Right. And, you know, Caroline tells her that the Devereaux's need, they need real care and offers for Jill to ride in the ambulance. You know what? You should go with them. And and she's like, okay, like, yeah, that's cool. It's very weird, but okay. 
yeah, no, that's fine. I've never met these people, but sure, I'll ride in the ambulance. Right. I mean, they're best friends. Like, obviously, she would do what her, her friend wants. But, I mean, very strange and out of character. Right. Luke says that they loved having her, having Caroline there. Or loved having, yeah, loved having Caroline there. And it meant a lot to them to the point where they left her the house. Yeah, that's a, that's a red flag for any lawyer. And it tests yeah. the two for drugs. Find out that, oh my God, they've been taking some kind of weird drugs that makes them paralyzed. Yes. So as they're, as Violet and Ben are, you know, leaving the, leaving in the ambulance, the song Death Letter is playing. But they also, I mean, they look at each other. Essentially, from what I understand, now Caroline and Luke are now basically Violet and Ben now, right? Yeah. Yeah, they just switched bodies. Right. So now they're like, shit, like, I'm fucking old. Yeah, we're we're fucked. And that death letter by Johnny Farmer and Organized Noise. The, the music in this was great. Like, they a lot of, yeah. like, old school blues. Yeah, Blind Willie Johnson. Robert Johnson. I like, oh, actually, a lot of his stuff. Robert Johnson is the man. Obviously known for Crossroads. Yep. And that whole backstory, you know, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, he sold his soul to the devil, supposedly. That's what they say. That's what a lot of people say. Did it really happen? No. Probably not. Dude just had talent, died mad young, and legends are born. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what'd you think? I loved it. I liked it the first time, loved it the second time. I'd watch it again. Yeah. So, I loved it the first time, blown away. I was like, holy crap, what a fucking great movie, great ending. And then, you know, on a rewatch, seeing how they're weaving this whole bullshit story about the stroke and like planting seeds or like the woman said earlier, you know, working roots on her. So she, you know, starts to believe everything is done. Great. Little subtle hints. Like one point Luke is in the room with Caroline talking and Violet enters and she's all like, Oh, I see your kids are getting acquainted. And Luke goes, oh, you know, you're the only woman for me. And it's like, oh, shit. Like early on when Violet first meets Caroline, she's complaining. Basically, she's like, oh, fucking white woman from the north. What the fuck? Yeah, no, it was it was excellent. Like you said, a lot of the a lot of the subtle hints were were fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and give it. Four brains. Four brains. Dang. All right. So let's see. Uh, why am I so cheap? Three and a half brains. Brain. Did you not hear me? Actually, no. Oh, my God. Three and a half brains. Brain. Okay. Sorry. Zoom is on the uh, little discombobulated tonight yeah so i mean there's so many details in this movie that i mean unless you look it up you, you might not even know and 
it's that attention to detail that uh, I really love in a movie. Very good. Nice. Four brains. Fucking. Yeah. Woo. They get Eight the brains excellent. total. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little bit of fan feedback. Nice. All right. So, from Old Man Fergie, this one is sneaky good. Winning, expecting to hate it, and really enjoyed it. Also, want to shout out to Dan the Man, the Enchilada. Um, yeah, thanks for buying this beer, man. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. That was that was a surprise. That was cool. Yeah. I love when people buy us beer. Always appreciate it. Uh Jenny doesn't know. Yeah, I didn't I love Oh. No, go ahead. Jenny doesn't Can I continue? Jenny doesn't know. I love this one and have rewatched it many times. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, no, I posted I posted on Instagram and I got like 30 likes, like 30, 40 likes or whatever it was, but nobody really commented. Well, that means 30 or 40 people liked it. So there's that, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, instead of just hitting the heart, we appreciate the heart. We appreciate retweeting or, or whatever. But, you know, little comment, one sentence even. That's all. Much appreciated. All right. We're obviously doing the skeleton key, so why not? Horror babe of the month. Yes. Drum roll, please. Kate Hudson. Oh, Jesus. You didn't even let me get a drum roll in. Well, I already started with the segue with saying we did skeleton key, so who the hell else are we going to do? I guess so, but you know... So, I mean, this is really only her only horror credit. Right. But I feel like she earns Horror Babe of the Month because she did an amazing job in this. She did a fantastic job. Yes. She was also in the thriller The Killer Inside Me. Not oh, that's exactly, right. Too. Not exactly horror, but, you know, adjacent gossip. Uh, great movie she was in earlier on in her career. She played Penny Lane in Cameron Crowe's semi-autobiographical bio, you know the fuck I'm saying almost famous yes that is a fun funny movie yeah and I mean she's she's done I mean she was in an epi- a couple episodes of Party of Five How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days I think was like one of her big movies uh, Raising Hell really 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 Fool's these, are movies you're Dude, these are movies you're gonna name this is what she does. This is what okay. she does. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She probably also crochets. Are we going to talk about crocheting now? Okay. What about Deepwater Horizon? The front, the, like the picture of that looks like there's some destruction and stuff going on. Oh yeah, that was like a disaster movie. That's yeah. That's it was close. like offshore. Yeah, it was like an offshore drilling like disaster. So why don't you mention that? You mentioned how to lose. Guy in 10 days. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How to lose podcast listeners in 10 seconds. <laughs> so besides movies, she's also an author. She's got a whole line of workout clothes, so you know she'd be working out. Also, has her own vodka, which after Ooh. looking again at the name, I feel stupid calling it 
King Saint earlier because I believe it's just King Street. <laughs> King Street Vodka. It's King ST, period. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm just calling it King ST from now on. And also just announced that she will be in Knives Out 2. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That will probably be pretty awesome because Knives Out 1 was pretty awesome. Absolutely. And that's all I got. Yeah, that's about all I got. I don't want to disrespect any ancestors, so let's just end it here. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening. You can hear us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, this one, that one, wherever you want to listen to your podcast, our podcast, we're there. You can reach us, fansofthedeadpodcast at gmail.com. You want to leave us any suggestions, tidbits, facts, things we might have fucked up, maybe a little bit of hoodoo misinformation. I don't know. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us at Fans of the Dead One on Twitter, Fans of the Dead on YouTube. Check out our channel. We got a lot of our recipes there. Hello. I'm here, man. I just did my whole spiel. Just waiting for you now. Hello. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Oh, now I can see you. There you are. Oh, my goodness, dude. Do you have internet over there in your cave? I I do. This has never been a problem. You can check us out. We're on Instagram, Fans of the Dead 1. Uh, Facebook, Fans of the Dead. Check out our website, fansofthedead.com, where you can check out all of our episodes, all of our recipes for disasters that are up there. You can buy t-shirts. You can buy us a beer or a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash fansofthedead1. My beer is actually getting pretty empty, so if someone could hook it up, a brother would appreciate it. Yeah, I think that that about does it. Actually, this is probably the last episode uh, that we'll ever have because next week we're going to Camp Crystal Lake and we're probably going to be murdered. Yes, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. It will be fun. (laughs) So we bid you adieu. As always, have fun. Be safe. Peace.